Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to The 100 Report. I'm Chris. I'm Charlie. And we're back after a hiatus and we have a hell of a lot to talk about, don't we? Yeah, that was uh, a, a pregnant pause, if ever there was one. We've been out for a while, but um, we've both been busy doing our day jobs, so to speak, and we have a lot to discuss. Um, we've had the PSL finish, we've got England in um, uh, the West Indies right now on a tour, we've got England women's in the World Cup, uh, we've got the 100 drafts to talk about, but um, I think, unfortunately, we have to start on some bad news. We've lost two absolute legends of the game, uh, Rod Marsh and Shane Warne, um, two weeks ago now. And I, for me, the news still hasn't sunk in that Shane is not with us anymore. I was literally listening to him on a Sky Sports podcast um, a couple of days before I heard the news. And he was talking about the 100 and London Spirit. And they were kind of pushing him and probing him to see whether he would actually be interested in taking on the role as England head coach. And he said that it definitely would be something that would interest him. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I guess we'll never know. But that would have been that would have been cool. Um, yeah, I... I heard about Shane Warner. I remember my friend texting me in the middle of the day. And it sounds strange, especially if you're a cricket fan and you spend so much time watching uh, these matches, and especially commentary. There's a sort of part of it that feels like they're a part of your life. And mm -hmm. I was actually really upset when I found out Shane Warner died. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a terrible, terrible tragedy. And um, obviously, Rob Marsh died as well. And it's, yeah, it's, we've lost a couple of legends. But um, it, it, it does bring on the, uh, the latest news is that the 100 draft has been postponed um, because of Shane Warne's state funeral, which was going to be on the same day. Um, yeah, so the, the draft's been moved to April the 5th now. Um, yeah. We're going to get a bit more of an idea. Um, I guess moving on to brighter stuff, we can, uh, we can talk about the 100 um, and the news that's been going on. Um, First off, we've got a couple of really cool interviews that we're going to have. Uh, we have got Abby Slade, who is Twitter extraordinaire, was a super van during the Ashes. And uh, we also have Mo from Mo Blogs, who is probably the biggest PSL fan that I've ever spoken to. Um, but I guess we should talk a little bit about the, uh, about the 100 uh, coming forward, because we talk with them about quite a lot of things about the PSL, about the Women's World Cup, Broad and Anderson Gate, which we won't get into. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll go into the 100. Now, obviously, uh, the retentions came in in February and each team could keep up to 10 of their players. I think the only remit was that they, could, they had to keep both of their England players, so the centrally contracted player and the local legend. But uh, everything else is up in the air. And uh, yeah, what was your take on, on the squads overall? Well, it's interesting because some squads retained the majority of their players and you didn't see sort of much changing and others had um, what looks like a total rebranding. So I think it was the Manchester Originals that didn't retain any of their international players and a lot, a lot has changed with them. Um, similarly with the Trent Rockets, with the women's team, there's only a couple left now in that team on its own. So it's, it's interesting to see who's mixing it up and who isn't. Now, I was speaking to Chris off air a minute ago about how do they how do they know the scheduling yet for this summer? Because a lot of the teams I felt were really let down 
last minute with a lot of their international choices, the big names that were supposed to be joining them because of their scheduling with their own countries. So we were just talking now about the Southern Brave. They retained Marcus Joyness, um, no brainer. And we were talking about, I'm sure they're going to try and get David Warner as they had originally, then he left, then he came back, then he left again. Um, but do they know the Australia schedule yet? Because that was a big blow for them last year. That was the big question I had, really, because, I mean, the Southern Brave, it was like a, a one-in, one-out thing eventually. There were so many overseas players that were in and out. I think at one point it was David Warner, Shabab Khan, and then it was uh, Devin Conway and Quinton de Kock. And then it was Marcus... Yeah, Andre Conway. Russell at one point, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Andre Russell. Tim David is their retained overseas player, the other one apart from Marcus Stoinis. So <laughs> it's very difficult to keep an eye on what's going on. Um, but I, I was hoping that uh, you, the listeners, might be able to help us out. Uh, what do you think as far as the summer scheduling conflicts? Who do you reckon are the best overseas players to go for? Are they the New Zealanders? Are they the Sri Lankans? Are they the West Indies? Let us know. Uh, stick something in the comments and descriptions if you, if you have any thoughts one way or the other. I think now's a good time to introduce our chat we had with Mo Blogs because we were asking him which, uh, amongst other questions, which players he thought from Pakistan would work really well in the 100. And um, here's what he had to say. Mo, thank you so much for joining the 100 Report. How are you? I'm good, man. Um, like I said, Lahore Londons have taken their first title. So it's, it's the happiest I've been across all PSLs. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good to be here, man. So you're a happy man. So you support Lahore. How did that come about? Honestly, it was just picking a side. Um, we, it came to the start. I'm not personally from Lahore. Um, there's definitely a thing for uh, people in Pakistan where you pick your the closest city you come from. And there's like things like Karachi and Lahore um, rivalries, which actually go, I think, go back before the PSL. Um, so they have the derby in that sense. That's what I refer to as the derby of the PSL. But Lahore is just a team I picked. Um, and it, like I said, it wasn't something I was going to plan on four seasons. We're like bottom of the table. We're struggling for wins every season. It looks like on paper we have something, you know. Chris Gale was a signing. We had, I think in the very first season, we had the likes of uh, Dwayne Bravo. Not too long after, West Indies won the World Cup. Um, so we always had, you know, sort of good sides. Brendan McCullum, A.B. De Villiers. We never quite got there. But um, yeah, we, we finally got our first title um, from a team that, probably didn't look as strong on paper compared to the other ones they've had in the past. Um, but yeah. I love the fact that you basically divvied up which teams you're going to support throughout your family, right? Didn't you say that your mum selected Peshawar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we all just kind of picked a side. Um, it's kind of split across all. So someone in my family supports one of the sides. I'm the only one that supports the Calandas, but now suddenly everyone's got the, now they've got the title. We've got a few more Calandas fans in the house, but we won't talk about that. We won't talk about that. But, um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, we, we uh, yeah, we obviously we had Ali Khan Tareen on uh, before he left his position at Multan. So I think that we felt duty bound to be Multan fans. Um, Fair play. And, and not in not in so much as that I'm pro I'm one of Mohammed Rizwan's biggest fans. So I was just yes, of course, we're definitely uh, going to be supporting uh, supporting Multan. Um, but yeah, in terms of uh, the whole PSL season, um, what were your takes from it? What were the highlights? Uh, who were the who are the top players for you and who are the ones that perhaps are um, were, uh, were struggling compared to what they usually do? Yeah, um, it's been interesting. I've personally seen over the last few seasons that 
playing as a foreign player is incredibly difficult. First of all, because of the fact that players don't play in Pakistan very often. So even the guys who are more experienced, like the Chris Gales, it would have been their very first experiences playing in Pakistan. So you, you kind of would have expected that sort of dip in performances. So, for example, when Tom Banton had that incredible run at Somerset, I think it was 2019 season with Barbarazum at the top of the order. He got a bunch of contracts, Big Bash, IPL. PSO was one of the first ones he played after Somerset. Um, and he really didn't kick off. I, don't, and I think he maybe barely scored 100 runs across the set of games that he did play. Um, but this season has been really good because we saw Will Smead really, really kick off. Um, top of the order, very first game. And he was actually, I think he was in as a replacement for Jason Roy while he wasn't there. And, you know, we're talking about back-to-back 90 scores. Um, so that was really, really interesting to see. It was good to see that he could play across different conditions. I think the fact that he played in the T10 may have helped because that was in Abu Dhabi. Um, and yeah, other players alongside that, Harry Brooks, part of the Lahore Calunders, had a great season. Um, I would say he was played very much out of position just because we had a stack of batsmen above him. Um, Fakhar Zaman, Abdullah Shafiq, a couple of names that I weren't too happy about batting above him. I think the way he's played at Yorkshire and in the 100, you would have expected him at like a four or five. Um, but he played out at six and he still did a really good job. He scored 100 for one of the games as well, um, which, you know, aside the fact that he's a foreign player scoring 100 is a big thing. You know, the guys who have scored 100 are really and truly the guys who have been playing in Pakistan for years and years, like the Akmos. Um, so that's been really exciting to see. And then again, of course, the emerging players, um, there's a couple that always stand out. Zaman Khan was, was a weird one. Um, his action is it's, it's unorthodox to say the least. It's kind of like a kind of remake of Malinga. Um, but it's, he was incredibly effective. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a bunch of players I can name. Shadab Khan, again, uh, incredible tournament from him. It was a shame he got injured and that kind of put the whole um, Islamabad you know, pressure to a halt. Um, but yeah, yeah, a bunch of names you can mention. And when you um, link to the 100 here in the UK, uh, the Pakistan players, who do you think would do well in English conditions in the 100? Because we had a couple of players from Pakistan last year, um, some of which did really well. But is there anyone in particular that you think needs to be signed by some of the 100 franchises? It's, it's interesting because I see a couple names in the Pakistan set up that I think could actually come in as one of the lower tier players. So it's a bit of a less of a risk for you know, the team in the hundreds. Um, but I think Azam Khan is a really interesting pick. He had a, he had a little, um, I think it was a 2020 season during COVID. So 2020 tour during COVID um, when he came in with Pakistan and he played three in the three match T20 series. He didn't really kick off, but he's definitely one of the most exciting players. We're looking at the hundred, we're playing an incredible amount of you know, wrist spinners and off spinners. Jake Linton, for example, is a guy who's coming through um, and had a good run in the hundred. And Azam Khan, if I'm not wrong, is one of the best players against spin in the world, statistically. Um, his strike rate is just incredible. The way he attacks it is, he's, he's second to none right now. And I think it's just a case of him playing in other tournaments. Um, another player, I think, is Shadab Khan. Um, it's been weird. After his injury, he had a kind of a weird time with form. Um, he, was, he was bowling well, but he wasn't batting well. But when it comes to the PSL, he takes a really good leadership position. Um, bowling, he will take, you know, three for 24 or figures are very similar to that in PSL almost every game. And he'd bat himself at three and four and score. 
50 runs you know he was he was leading he was in the top five run scorers um in the PSL quite consistently I think I I sort of a, a agree with that I and well we almost had Shadow Khan a couple of times I think at one point he was signed with the Southern Braves and then he was signed with Manchester Originals and then um I think it was a Pakistan tour to the West Indies that sort of put paid to a lot of yeah. involvement. Jury's still a little bit out at the moment in terms of how international schedules are going to be affected, but obviously these are domestic competitions, so these things happen. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I was excited at the prospect of someone like Shana Wazdahani playing in England. Um, just, I've just always got a thing about sort of tall, awkward bowlers. I remember thinking Mohamed Irfan was um, a real sort of ace ace up the sleeves of Pakistan for ages because he wasn't necessarily fast but he was huge but yeah it's it, it, it's an exciting time and of, of course I would love to see Mohamed Rizwan but we're in a very exciting place at the moment because the squad retentions have come up and for many teams they've actually gotten uh, released quite a lot of their international players particularly Manchester Originals who've released all of them so um, so fingers crossed maybe we'll Maybe we'll get Shadab Khan. But um, in terms of uh, going ahead, I guess one of the last questions I had was the England players for whom a lot of people who follow the international stuff, we might not see too much of. Um, so I'm thinking of people like, you know, uh, Will Smead, Will Jacks, um, and Jake Lintard, people like that. Um, who did you see in the PSL who you think these guys are taken into some in some good form coming into the summer. Yeah, it, like I said before, Will Smith and Harry Brooks take the lead on that 100%. Um, there was quite a big disparity between guys who did well from the England side. I think it was 26 England players that were signed in the PSL, which is huge. Um, especially the fact that it's impacts done because a couple of seasons ago, there were barely any. Um, but it was a very much, it was a, it was a big disparity, even for guys like Chris Jordan. So I think Harry Brooks and um, Will Smith definitely led it. Um, I'd like to see Tom Lemon be given a better chance. Karachi King's selection choices were all over the place. We had guys who were number four was batting number seven. Tom Lemon was batting, I think, anywhere between seven and nine in one game, which was ridiculous when you're in a chase. Um, so from that sense, I don't think he was given a fair run. And, you know, it makes sense if you're, if you're batting at seven in a, in a 170 chase where your team's scraping like a six or seven run rate. When you come in, you're not natural, naturally going to, you know, take your team to the end. So um, I'd like to see him given a better chance. Phil Salt had a, had, a very, had a very average PSL for me, which was surprising. I was really relying on him to be um, a big run scorer for us. He's, he's always a guy who's on the brink of getting his England a good England run in T20 and ODI cricket, but he never quite seems to be there. So I'd like to see him given a better, give, give him a good run. Um, but yeah, Phil Salt is definitely one of them. Will Jack's been interesting. I still think Will Jack's has, I still think Will Jack's has a season where he can really kick off. I don't necessarily think it, he's there. Um, and that's a good thing because it means he's still getting these tournaments whilst he's still very young. Um, so I'd like to see him play forward. Excellent. Well, look, we we are gonna we are gonna wrap up there. But um, thank you so much for being on. Um, before we go, uh, do you have uh, any socials you want to plug before we go? Yeah. Um, check me out. I talk all my rubbish on Twitter. Uh, Moblogs underscore. Um, 
I'm getting back to my cricket content. I did a bit on books and, and Smeed on TikTok, which is just more blogs. Um, but until then, yeah, those are the two socials I'm really pushing for. Hopefully you guys will, you guys will see some content um, in England cricket, you know, talking with the fans this summer. Um, but until then, we'll, we'll keep those as it is. But yeah, those are the two. Yeah, thank you very much, Moblogs. That was um, that was fun. I really enjoyed chatting with him, and he's very knowledgeable about the PSL and especially about the the domestic players in Pakistan. And I found it very interesting when he was talking about some of the the lesser known England players who play out there. Um, it gives us a lot of food for thought coming up um, for the hundred. And you look that there is actually a lot of a lot of talent there. So, you know, he was talking about people like Will Smead and Henry Brooks. And these are people that people don't really talk about. Everybody thinks about Chris Wokes, Liam Livingston and Ben Stokes and so forth. Um, it's really funny how every competition has their kind of go-to stars. Like I know James Vince, for example, always does really well out there. Um, I know he is a household name here as well, but you've got Ben Cutting, for example, um, from Australia, who I really haven't heard of, um, only, only from his excellent batting in the PSL. Um, so it's really interesting which competitions uh, attract which, um, uh, you know, which players, because there's only a very small bracket of international places. So it's going to be super interesting to see what happens in um, next month's draft. So stay tuned. Um, we shouldn't quickly talk about the Women's World Cup because I feel that, you know, we had our hopes set really high at the beginning of this competition. I feel like we have a really great squad, a lot of potential, but unfortunately they lost the first three games. Um, and now it looks like they might not make the semi-finals at all, which is such a shame. Yeah, it, it, it really is. There, there is a small glimmer, you know, beating India, which, you know, is no mean feat. But yeah, it's looking tight. Now, at the time of recording, because uh, we're about to jump into our uh, chat with Abby, um, this was when the, the Women's World Cup had only just started. So we'd seen two or three matches at that point. Um, and I think it's, it's very prophetic what, uh, what Abby was saying. But anyway, uh, without further ado, we will go on to the interview with Abby where we talk about the Women's World Cup and also Anderson and Broadgate, which uh, I know was a bit of a hot button topic for not just us, but for everyone. Anyway, here you go. Abby Slade, welcome to the 100 Report. How are you? Thank you. I'm very good. Very happy to be here. Welcome. Happy to have you. <laughs> um, well, I guess the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is uh, obviously we've just sort of gotten to the tail end of England's winter. Um, mm -hmm. You spent a bit of time basically living on Australian time, being a super, a super fan as far yes, as I did. Uh, how, how was that? It was really fun. Um, they contacted me about two weeks before, I think, so I knew it was coming um, and I knew it was going to be the Boxing Day test. So I didn't quite, because when you say Boxing Day test, I always forget about Australian time and you always instinctively think, oh, that's our Boxing Day. And of course it, it is our Boxing Day, but the early hours of our Boxing Day. So I was so nervous about being drunk on national TV <laughs> that I had one glass of Bucks Fizz at 11 a.m. and then I just didn't have anything for the rest of the day because I was, I was so nervous about either being drunk or falling asleep. It was very, yeah, my sleeping pattern has only just got back up to scratch. Yeah, I'd be so nervous taking a nap during the... Yeah, I, I set about five nap. alarms. Oh, wow. And did you apply for it or did they just get hold of you through your no. social? So the Barmy Army um, contacted me and asked if I wanted to be 
are super fun because I think they've got an in with or like they were just as they are the fan base of England cricket I think they've got um an in of finding the supporters to put on the show and if you guys haven't been to Abby's um, Twitter page, you must go because you've uh, pinned that tweet, which Chris yeah. told me to have a look at, where you dug out Sir Alistair Cook. That was a really yeah. funny moment. Take that, Alistair. Yeah. If <laughs> you're listening, <laughs> be afraid. <laughs> I was going to say that was one of my famous, one of my favourite things was you getting internet famous for mugging off Sir Alistair. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Wearing thing was, that day, um, because that was the f I was on for the fifth test, and as you were logging in, um, their like their contact that set you up and got you sorted um, said, "Oh, we've had a running joke with the fans wearing hats in the last few episodes. Does anyone have any hats that they'd like to wear?" And I thought that I was going to be left out if I didn't wear a hat, and I was like, "Oh, I'll I'll be in on the joke." And then I was the only one wearing a hat, so then I got called out on it. Well, it's good because people got to see that you're a diehard Somerset fan. So that's yes, exactly, exactly. Good. Um, well, I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about England's winter because mm, I think to say mixed was a little bit generous. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's been a trying time if you're an England fan. Yes. Um, and obviously the Ashes did not go anywhere near to plan. At least yes. you know we can take some small solace that it wasn't a whitewash. Mm -hmm. But um, I was thinking I wanted to chat a little bit about what your thoughts were about the, the squad and especially mm -hmm. into the West Indies because we've got a revamped mm -hmm. squad and most notably James Anderson, Stuart Broad, they aren't there. Uh, what's, mm -hmm. what's your thoughts on that? Um, my first thoughts that I'm absolutely devastated. Um, I understand that they are trying to take England in a not in a different direction, but I understand that if Broad and Anderson don't go now or soon, then we're going to be stuck with loads of fast bowlers who can't reach their prime because they're not be, being given the opportunity to bowl. Um, and then who knows what the England setup would be like in a few years' time. But it is just so, it just feels bizarre not having a squad without Anderson or Broad in it. And they're not even the injury call up. I think it's Liam Norwell that's the first one who will get a go if any of the fast bowlers are injured and it's it's bizarre to me which happens um, or not that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me we've got mark yeah. Wood, who unfortunately gets injured all the time joffrey all archie time. who hasn't even recovered from his injuries yeah. that doesn't make any sense yeah well, it's like even with ollie robinson that um in the warm-up match he went off with a bad back i don't know what the outcome of it was but oh, just england need to stop damaging their fast bowlers i think it, this i always compared Joffre Archer as a specific example to somebody like Mitchell Johnson. I think like Michael mm. Clark utilized him in the best possible way. Three overs, maximum four. You're probably only going to bowl 20 in a whole session. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, you take that example a few years back in New Zealand where I think Joffre Archer bowled something like 47 overs in one session. Yeah. It's, it, it's sort of understandable. Eventually he's going yeah. to break down. I, I take your point. I think I'm in two minds about the Anderson broad gate because it's been such a huge fixture of England for ages that you can just stick Anderson on at one end. Yeah. So, and you know they'll do something. Yeah. Or or if or even if they don't do something, they'll go for like one or two runs and over yeah. and tie up an end. Yeah, but I I sort of hope that this'll make that this will be the making of Chris Wokes. That's that's kind of my mm -hmm. my hope yeah. that he'll sort of step into that quote unquote Anderson area um, mm -hmm. in terms of his similarity as a bowler 
and he does have to uh, up his stats overseas. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I think there's a fair bit of pressure actually on Chris Wokes at the moment because if you look at Ben Stokes, our sort of heroic all rounder, I don't think he's back to fit to his pre-injury fitness yeah. and. I think therefore there's actually a lot of pressure on Chris Wokes to be that genuine all-rounder that does yeah. really well. So um, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on, on Ben Stokes at the moment? So Ben Stokes, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think obviously you want to take it easy coming back in after a bad health spell as he had, um, but I don't think he's there to be an all-rounder. He's there to be a batter of anything. Yeah. Um, I can't remember how much we saw him bowl in the ashes, but I can't recall him doing particularly amazingly with the ball. Um, one thing I will just say, though, I'm really excited for Saqib Mahmood to come into the squad for the West Indies, because if we're going to have a fresh generation of talent, I want it to be Saqib Mahmood. Yeah, it's especially being a, a Lancashire lad, as far as the counties are concerned, it was, yeah, he's been just a stalwart for Lancashire and yeah it was almost a shame in the hundred when he moved to Oval because I thought yeah. oh, we lost one there but um yeah a great action balls of pace I yeah I think this could be it and again because of Anderson abroad he's had trouble fighting his way into the test yeah. squad um so here's hoping but um moving moving slightly on um mm -hmm. you're still somewhat um on uh overseas time because uh, you've mm -hmm. been staying up god knows how long yeah. the women's world cup so far it's you? working in a bar that's what will do it <laughs> yeah. is um, it a sports bar as well do you have um the big no, cricket no. that which, would be amazing, which benefits it? me because the only sport that i like is cricket um and during the euros it was a godsend because nobody came to us and we would get out so early um <laughs> and i would be avidly following the score along at home like They've gone into extra time. No one's going to come in up before last orders. It's fine, um, but yeah, it does making it, it does make watching the cricket more difficult. Um, but yeah, so it obviously started two two mornings ago. Was it the third? What day is it today? Is it the fifth? Yeah. So it started on the third. It started at one a.m. two morn yesterday morning. I'm losing track of all the days, and that's what I'm to you. Um, but started yesterday morning, obviously, with the West Indies versus New Zealand, where it's being held. And what a match. Like, I watched the first half an hour and then I woke up. I said I was going to wake up for the last hour because I had a meeting in the morning. That did that did not happen. I woke up about five minutes before the meeting and checked the score and quote this. And was like, oh, God, I missed a good one there. So it was so close. Um, and then obviously England played Australia this morning and I got home from work in time to watch Nat Sivers wicket and then I just kept saying I'll go to sleep when the next wicket falls and then it didn't fall so then I went to bed at about quarter past three or something um, and it, it was a disappointing result to wake up to but not entirely unexpected after um, the ashes Heather Knight said after this defeat this morning that mm. she wasn't disappointed because actually it was an amazing game. A lot of the players really excelled and did really, mm. really well. Yeah, um, they did. That's how did you see from watching the first game of England, obviously against the favourites, Australia, mm. how do you see our standings just from seeing that first match? Um, in the in the whole World Cup, 
I, I'm, I don't want to be pessimistic after a long winter in England of English cricket. I don't want to be pessimistic, um, but I, there are definitely things that will stand out, um, like Nat Siver, amazing, and there's a really good opportunity to build um, players who haven't had so much of a go before. My gut tells me that Australia are, are, are going to do it, but yeah. we'll see. As far as, but you, you made an interesting point about developing younger players because obviously, mm -hmm. uh, as the hundred report, we've been watching quite a lot of the the women's mm -hmm. matches, and I think one of the positives from the women's game is um, all of these breakout stars that are coming. I'm thinking of uh, Sophia Dunkley, or I'm thinking of uh, Alice Capsey in particular. Yeah. Um, who are coming up and through the ranks. Um, so I guess my, uh, my, my question would be, as far as the players that we saw coming through the 100, mm. are there players that you want to see getting more of a go in the England squad, uh, who perhaps made a bit of a name for themselves during last summer? Yes, so I'm really excited for Izzy Wong to come back into the England side. Um, I am really excited to watch Alice Capsey. I don't know when she's going to get her England debut because obviously I, I always forget that she is just a baby. Which, is she 17 now, I think, or maybe still 16? But absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, Sophia Dunkley as well made her English debut last summer and or last winter. Um, and I'm really excited to watch Sophia Dunkley's career continue. And as always, Sophie Eccleston. I mean, she's an established talent now, but I often forget that she is still so young. When we go through the squads, I remember just constantly being in awe at some of these, uh, some of the women players' uh, mm. economy rates and things like that. And yeah. Sophie Eccleston is just in another in another sphere of existence. Yeah. Um, it's it's an exciting time for for English cricket. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I yeah, I Izzy Wong has been a particular favourite of mine for a long time and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm hoping she does and I'm hoping that she gets faster and faster as time goes on mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and it's, but it's without a, driving her into the ground like the rest of the England bowlers 100% yes um, is one. <laughs> um, well that's that's kind of all the questions we had thank you so much for being on um, as far as uh, yourself is there anything you want to plug is there uh, you want to uh, plug your socials and things like that I would like to plug my Twitter, which is Abby underscore Slade. Abby spelt the correct way of A-B-I. Um, and also, please listen to my podcast that I run with a few friends called Morally End, which is, it sounds like it's entirely about Moralithran. It's not. We touch on a lot of English and Sri Lankan cricket. And we recently had an interview about the Women's World Cup with Alex Hartley. So please listen in. Well, thanks so much, Abby, again, for joining us. I thought that was a really insightful chat. Um, and I liked asking her about her the fan zone that she managed to get into with uh, BT Sport. Um, rather jealous myself. Uh, call me next time. Um, but uh, I think we should just quickly touch on the fact that um, England men's are in Barbados uh, currently, um, halfway through the second test. The first test, unfortunately, was a draw. We ran out of time. But 
from a terrible batting start, which we thought, oh no, here we go again, they actually managed to pull back and set a decent total, one of the highest totals they've managed to do for a while. Since then, we've had another ton from Joe Root at his new position of number three, which for me is super encouraging because I just thought if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It was one of the, it was one of the things that was really working for us, him being at his favoured position of number four. But for me, that that was really exciting to see him make a make a century at that number three position. Very exciting. And Jeru is just the goat. Um, I think we were all a bit confused because we thought that Sir Alistair Cook is going to go down as being the greatest England batsman ever. And I think, you know, it's we, we're in that realm with Joe Root now. I think he can he could surpass Sir Alistair, especially he seems to score hundreds at will at the moment. I mean, you know, the Ashes was an aberration, as we as we discussed with Abby. It was um, something we'd all rather forget. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's very exciting. And it's nice to see the batting unit actually you know, have a substantive knock. Um, even Alex Lee's got 30 odd, which is, which is heartening. Yeah, I think we heard his like, um, breathing of relief from here, all the way from here. Cause yeah, to get that, to get through that first test, it's always so nerve wracking. So the second one, you can start building on stuff. And you know what, hey, at least it wasn't a duck, which is what we've been used to in a lot of the ashes. Um, what's interesting to see is Paul Collingwood is obviously stepping up as interim uh, head coach and I have to say Chris that I'm really really keen even though I know people were talking about a lot of Australian names we mentioned before I am really keen to stick with um, you know an English a British head coach because if you look at the hundred if you look at these competitions you're nurturing a lot of these players to be international superstars but you're not really nurturing any English coaches to take big positions abroad so I really feel like Paul Collingwood should be given the chance yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really have much more to add to that. Uh, yes, uh, he should be given a go. And I think that he's proved that, you know, he's proved himself as far as a test player. And he's probably one of the best fielders that England have ever had. And it just seems that the players like him, which I think is crucial because mm. that dynamic between coach and player is such a big one. Um, but I think that yeah, I would love to see him have a go, but I guess they're still taking applications and we will soon see. It will be interesting, though, if Justin Langer does come over fresh from Australia with all of those, that inside knowledge for the next um, for the next Ashes. That's also would be quite interesting. But um, uh, stay tuned for our roundup. We're going to do um, before the draft of the 100. We can kind of go through each team in more detail and see what they're actually missing, what they need to get from the big draft. And then, of course, on the day, we'll be tweeting and on socials about how the draft is going as and when it happens. Yeah, and uh, as far as the retained players, if you want to have a little look in depth at where they are, I'll put a link to uh, the BBC website where it's got the list of all of the retained players and you can make some decisions for yourself. Um, but as always, if you're not subscribed to us yet, please do. Uh, we are on YouTube at The 100 Report. We are on Instagram at The 100 Report and we're on Twitter at hundred report um, and do please send us your comments send us your questions we love hearing about it what do you think as far as the international schedule is that going to affect overseas players who's your pick for overseas but uh, as ever thanks again for listening and it's goodbye from me bye from me have yourself a good one speak to you soon